ground. And it says the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Right? The worries in your life can choke out and lead you to ignore the word that God is speaking to you, the message of hope that God has for you. So the first thing is we anticipate worst case scenarios. The second thing that happens when we focus on our fears, on our anxiety, is we will be paralyzed by uncertainty. It's called paralysis by analysis, right? You don't know how it's going to go down, so you're afraid to move forward because you feel like anything you do is going to mess it up, right? And I'm technically alive right now, so let's not make it worse, <laughs> right? So if I just sit here, maybe it won't get worse than it is right now. And we get frozen, we lock up. Um, Israel went through this. In Exodus 14.10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, right, they're free, and then Pharaoh changes his mind, starts coming for him, and as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up, and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Right? They can't move. They can't go back to Egypt because he's chasing them down, and they can't go forward because they're afraid of the people chasing them. They're stuck, and we get stuck. Um, I deal with this with social anxiety. When I am in a crowded mall, I start to freak out. Right? Well, if I, go to the, I don't go to the mall on weekends if I can at all help it. Unless Jesus compels me to, uh, you will not find me in a mall in a crowded... Last night, I love everything about CMU. We would lose our minds if we couldn't go to this and be, a, be here with you guys. But I'll tell you the truth, last night when we were done, that was a lot. <laughs> like, I had to find like a, a quiet space for a minute and just like curl up in fetal position. <laughs> and I love you guys, but it's, it's just a lot. I freeze up sometimes when there's a lot going on. And I, I think about after my parents died, um, you know, when you go through hard times, it amplifies it. That's why COVID's been so intense for everybody, because it, it takes all the things you were dealing with before, and then when you go through trauma or go through a difficult time, it ramps it up, and it amplifies all the things you were going through. So I went through a time um, after I went through a loss in my life, and I would, Wednesday nights locked me up, and I don't know why. I was, I was a campus minister at the time, and I would park in the parking lot of our church, and I would go in, and I love Wednesday nights. I love being with my people. They were the only bright spot going for me at the time, and so um, my family and my, my students were like the, the highlight of my week. But I would sit there in the parking lot, and I could not leave my car every week for like a year. I would sit in the parking lot, and I would, I would feel nauseous, and my heart was pounding, and I would start to sweat and I didn't even really have anything specific I was afraid of. I just couldn't get myself to get out of the seat. I'm like, what is my deal? Like, I know I have a lot of evidence that this will be a great time and that I will feel all better, right, once I go through this. And I know all of that from seven days ago. And I cannot get myself out of the seat. And it was so frustrating because stress and anxiety produces physical results, Right. And that's part I think that's part of why we got locked into calling it an illness. It absolutely has physical effects. Um, I have a science friend that I go to. We go to with all our science needs. And I'm like, what is that? Like, why does my body physically react to this stuff? She's like, well, you're releasing cortisol, which is a, a really helpful thing when you are in a fight or flight scenario. It's super helpful. If you are being chased for a lion by a lion, you are very glad you have cortisol. It's great. It's very, it spurs you to action. It, it helps your body be very alert and ready to go. But when it's sustained, it was never meant to work that way. When it's sustained in your body, it starts to break it down. 
it hurts your immune system, it affects your sleep, it affects your, everything about your body starts stressing out. And when we sustain these levels of anxiety, when we stay in our anxiety, it really affects us and it can make it really hard to move. You lose energy, you get sick a lot, and it makes it really hard to move forward in advance. So that's another effect that anxiety has, and we're focused on that for too long. Proverbs 29, 25 says, a person's fear sets a trap for him, but one who trusts in the Lord is safe. It's a trap and it sticks us in here. It's why people who've been through intense trauma have such a hard time reacting normally to stuff because they've been elevated. They've had elevated stress for so long. It's hard to deal. It's hard to know what the right baseline is. The third thing is we're focused on our fears. We isolate from our support system, right? We start drawing back from the people that we used to go to, that we used to trust with stuff. In Exodus 32, we see Israel drawing back from God. Moses goes up on a mountain. He starts chilling with God for a few days, and everybody loses their mind. Now, he's gone for a couple days. They're like, we're, we're lost. All is lost. Everything that we've done to this point is meaningless. In, in 32, verses 1 and 4, it says, When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. <laughs> this guy, Moses. That's crazy. They've lived with this guy for years. Anyway, we don't know what happened to this guy, Moses, who brought us down here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it into the shape of a calf. And when people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. When we are focused on our fear, we stop trusting God and our support system, and we start looking for safety somewhere else. Right? Maybe you go back to old habits that God had freed you from before, but they gave you comfort when you were going through hard times. Right? Maybe you go back to drinking or pornography or, or even, honestly, isolation. Right? Isolation in itself can be something that in the moment feels comforting because no one's asking anything of you. Right? As an introvert, we're very concerned about our energy levels. Um, and energy levels are a big deal. And that's something that was one of the biggest things that held me back in ministry. Was I was always, always afraid I would run empty if I wasn't careful with how I, how I handled myself and how many times I was around people. And so we protect ourselves by being alone and, and isolating from the people that love us. It's interesting what God does. What God does with them in the desert is he starts giving them one day of food at a time. And if they collected more than one day of food, it would rot. And so they had no choice but to rely on him. They had to rely, literally had to rely on him. They couldn't store up enough for themselves to last even beyond a day. And so every day they had to rely. It, was, it is so critical. What God is saying by doing that is saying, you have to rely on your people. No matter what it takes, there's got to be a way that you can rely on the things, that, on God and on the people he's put on you. And the problem is that anxiety and the bind that it puts us in can turn into a real source of shame. Right? Anxiety can lead to shame in, in why can't I get out of bed today? You know, why am I so stressed about this? Why do I react so differently than everyone else on this? Is how it feels. Even if you're not so different, it feels like you're different. It feels like you're being held back in a different way. Uh, my daughter is 13, and uh, that's an interesting time to go through COVID. Um, you know, it's... <laughs> Again, let's take the most awkward time of your life and leave you all alone, right, where you can't be within six feet of your social circle. Perfect. She's got friends, she told me, that when they lifted the mask mandate, didn't take their mask off, not because they're afraid of COVID, but because they had gotten so used to not showing their face that they were afraid of what people would think when they started showing it. That broke my heart. That is brutal. 
right? There's shame associated with our anxiety. There's, there's things that it isolates us further and it holds us back. And I don't want, I don't want my kids to feel like anxiety is something that they have to be ashamed of, that it's something that they have to hide from or, or worry about. I told my son this story the other day. I was, uh, I was about Kaylee's age. I was a teenager and, and we went to this water park that I loved and I didn't usually ride the intense slides because I'm kind of a wimp. And, but I decided this day I was going to do it. And I went on one of the highest rides, and I climbed up the stairs, and I got to the top, and I could not do it. I couldn't do it. And now I'm being pulled apart because there, I passed about 100 people on that stair up. And I don't want to be the guy that walks back down. <laughs> but I also cannot go down this slide. It is terrifying. And I walked down, and I was so embarrassed. Every step of the way, I'm like not making eye contact. I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the only guy. I'm passing like five-year-olds, right, <laughs> that are just fearless. <laughs> Cannot wait to get on it. They, they're on their 12th time going down it, right? And I'm walking down. When we're afraid, when our fears stop us, there's so much shame that can be associated with that. And I just told my son, look, if, if you're struggling, like, that's fine. You are not alone. You are, the Bible says you're not facing anything that's not common to man. Everybody's walked down those steps. Everybody's backed off of something because they were afraid. And that's not a reason to be ashamed and isolate. It's all the more reason to draw close to your people. And finally, when we're focused on our fear, we make irrational decisions. We do stuff that makes no sense, that doesn't have any basis in reality or our history or anything else. In Exodus 14, 12 through 14, it says, Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. You could have added again. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. And the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. With COVID, um, you know, I'm, I'm interacting with my coworkers and we've got neighbors we're reaching out to and there's this, there's this family like three houses down from us. And we saw their kids the other day, honestly, for the first time in like a year and a half. We had not, our kids used to play with their kids all the time and we just hadn't seen them. I, I don't, they had not emerged from their home for a really, really long time. And we saw their kids and they were pale and sickly and like thin. And I'm just like, this is nuts. Like, we know, as, hum- as a human species, we know people need time outside, right, and with other people. We know that's true, but they've been driven by fear and, and everything else to-, to pull that back and hide that from their kids. I'm like, that's nuts. Like, that's so difficult, and I get it, but it, it can lead us to make really irrational decisions. When we're afraid, we do dumb stuff. You know, and what's interesting and what you see over and over again in Scripture is that the call to Moses again and again, because he got stressed too, was to move forward. That was God's solution. Move forward. I've got something for you to do. I have a specific goal in mind, and I need you to start moving in that direction. All of the heroes of faith move while they are still anxious. Do you hear me? All of the heroes of faith move They take their first steps while they are still anxious. You don't have to wait for the anxiety to go away to start moving and healing. Jesus, before his greatest act of faith, it says he sweat like drops of blood. Is that anxiety? You better believe it. If Jesus was not freed from anxiety, 
Why are we going to be freed from anxiety, right? It's a normal part of the human condition. It is not a disease. It can affect you like a disease. It can impact you like a disease, but it is not something that is unique to you. You didn't contract it because there's something wrong with you. It's a reaction to a really stressful and difficult world, and honestly, a very normal one. But it doesn't mean we can't move forward. So God says to you, and he says to me, while we are still anxious, I have something for you to do, and I need you to take your first step. I need you to move forward. I need you to focus on the kingdom, because if you focus on my kingdom, it will be greater and have greater results for you than focusing on your anxiety. And he promises us that, and we see it happen over and over and over again. You cannot know, and this is the hard part, you can't know all the answers before you take that first step. That's the mindset that got us into this mess in the first place, right? Not moving because we don't know what's coming next. That's always the case. None of us are omniscient. None of us know the future, right? And there's got to be a way to take a step into that darkness, to take a step into what we don't know will come. And God says, I've got something for you. I've got a direction you can go. And the beautiful thing is that a kingdom focus takes the focus off of you and puts it onto others. Because God's mission for you and his goal for you is to have an incredible impact on the people around you while you are anxious, while you are still dealing with the stresses of life, while you are still overwhelmed by everything around you, he's still in that moment, at that very moment, wants you to have an incredible impact on the people around you. I would argue you can have a better impact on the people around you while you're going through all this stuff. If you've got it easy and you've got no stressors in your life, I can't relate to you. I don't know what that's like and I don't think you know what I'm going through. I need people in my life that are stressed out and functional, right? I got to have hope. I need to know that's possible because I've never known a time I wasn't stressed out about something. And so if the requirement for me to have hope is to be stress-free, I have no hope. But there is hope because scripture is chock full and my life is full of people that are stressed out and functional and effective. And so we've got to be willing to take the first step. In Matthew 6.33, listen to what it says. And I think we forget this first part. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. This stuff you're worrying about. You've got to seek his kingdom first, then you'll get all this other stuff. Therefore, don't worry about today for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Right? Tomorrow's got enough trouble. I don't have to start worrying about tomorrow's trouble today because today's got its trouble. All right? It's not helpful. It's easier said than done. I get it. <laughs> but we've got to seek first his kingdom. We want to flip that around. Give me the stuff and then I'll start worrying about your kingdom. Right? Take this, re remove this barrier from me, this obstacle from me, and I'll be all yours. It doesn't work that way. It never works that way. And God knows that. And that's why he tells you, you've got to seek his kingdom first. Then the rest will take care of itself. So the first thing that'll happen when we focus on the kingdom, when we focus on serving God's mission and having an impact on others, a real impact on others, instead of focusing on our fears, is that instead of anticipating worst case scenarios, we'll anticipate hope. Instead of worrying about all the terrible things that could happen, we will start to see opportunities for hope and situations where you can hope because it is easier to hope for others than it is for yourself. That's true. It is just like you can tell someone else, you look great. 
I know you got a few pounds on you, but you're rocking that thing. You go, right? But then you put on the same thing. You're like, I'm a hideous monster. Don't look at me. Right? It's, it's easier to promote other people. It's easier to get excited about other people than it is for ourselves, but it's contagious. And if you start getting excited for other people and seeing hope in your life and their life, it's, it gets a lot easier to see hope in yours. And God designed it that way. He goes through, sorry, um, Philippians 4, 6 through 9. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, instead of focusing on your anxiety, on your fears, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Focus on these things. These are the important things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. We've got to take the first step. Focus on the things that are important. When you see someone who's wrecked and, and going through it and needs someone to, who is there, who will listen to them, who will love on them, who will include them in their lives, you take that step. You invite them over for dinner, right? You go to the movies with them. You, you sit down and talk with them after work for a little bit. You pray actively for them, and that will change your ability to see hope in their life and your ability to see hope in your own life. Luke 12, 25 says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? I have spent so much time being afraid of deadlines, and I have never had a deadline pushed back because I was stressed about it. It never fixed it. So why do it? And again, I get that it's easier to say that than to do it. But the reason that God says focus on others is because it gives us the ability to do that, to stop focusing on what's in front of us in our life and start focusing on others. And 1 Peter 4.2, 1 Peter 4.2 says, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. That's what you will be excited about. That's what will motivate you. That's what will move you. The, the anxiety, the threat, the, the excitement to do the will of God. I think about when we're singing these awesome songs of worship and we start singing like, I've seen you move mountains and I believe you'll do it again. Right? We start singing, though we sow in tears, we'll reap in joy. And when I'm singing that, what I'm picturing in my mind is the people that my wife and I have fought for that we have, we have cried, that we've sowed in tears. We've been devastated at the, the, the difficult and painful choices we've watched people make that we love, that we are chasing after. And then we've seen the joy of seeing them come around and turn their life around and do something different. When I'm talking about, I've seen you move mountains and I believe you're going to do it again. Man, I'm thinking about the couple that we're reaching out to right now that are, are friends of our son Levi and, and we're looking at their life and the, the hurt that they've been through and the, the stuff that's held them back for so long and how isolated they are. And we just, we're on our knees praying and crying like, God, please move that mountain in their life. I get excited for that. That's what I focus on. And, and that gives me hope. It's easier to hope for other people sometimes than it is for ourselves. And when you're focused on the kingdom, that stuff hits different. It does. And you need that focus in your life. So we'll be focused on, we'll anticipate hope instead of anticipating worst case scenarios. 
Instead of being paralyzed by fear, we will be free to move boldly. That's the second thing that happens when we focus on the kingdom. We are free to move boldly instead of being paralyzed by fear. We move because the stakes are too high to hide in place. If your child or a child that you love is walking toward traffic, even if you also are afraid of traffic, you will run after that child. You won't think about how scary it is. You won't let that stop you. You won't think about what could happen. You just run. You have to move because the stakes are too high to sit there and watch them do it. If you really buy into the kingdom, if you really buy into what God says, that the people around you are lost and drowning and completely isolated from God, and their only hope is you speaking truth and love into their life, then you realize the stakes are too high not to move, and it will get you out of that seat. That's the thing that got me out of the seat every Wednesday night, was there were people in that room that God called me to speak hope to. And I, the stakes, I could not sit there. The stakes were too high. If I just didn't go in, then they don't hear the thing that God needed them to hear. And that's unacceptable to me. It gives us motivation. It gives us excitement. It gives us the freedom to move boldly when before we were paralyzed by fear. In 1 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. That's the spirit God has given us. We were not made to be afraid all the time or not to let our fear stop us. We were made to be bold. There's a quote by a, a journalist. Um, his name was Ed, Edward Morrow. And he's speaking at a time where the nation was very divided, where people were very suspicious of each other, where fear was the dominant feeling. And I think that's pretty relevant for today. And he's talking, he's trying to encourage us to live differently. And he says, we will not walk in fear of one of another. We will not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. If we dig deep into our history and our doctrine and remember that we are not descended from fearful men, not from men who feared to write, to speak, to associate, and to defend causes that were for the moment unpopular. We are not descended from fearful people. When you look at our heritage and the, the people that we are following, they were not fearful people, or at least they didn't let that fear stop them. We follow people. I am the descendant of people like Doubting Thomas, right? It was constantly focused on the worst case scenario who was constantly skeptical and yet is one of the great martyrs of the faith. He said he went into crazy country, like countries that were violent toward Christianity and did amazing things and reached tons and tons of people for Jesus. Right? We are not descended from people who are frozen in fear. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is something that they put on oxen to guide them in the direction they needed to go in order to achieve a result, right? You put this yoke on the oxen and you can steer them so that they can be productive and do the things that need to get done. And Jesus says, if you will take my yoke, my mission on you, then I will steer you in the way that you need to go in order to accomplish the things that I have in mind for you and for this world. He says, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. It is so much lighter. We all carry burdens and sometimes they seem super heavy. And God says, if you will take my burden on, you will find your other burdens being a lot lighter. Is it easy to walk into a room when you're stressed out and start reaching out to people? 
That's a, it's burdensome. It's difficult, right? It's difficult to do that. But it is a lot lighter than sitting in your car terrified and ashamed of what you're doing. Is it, is it hard? Does he call us to hard things? Absolutely. Does it set you free? You better believe it. It's a lot better than being stuck in what we were in before. In Isaiah 40, 31, this is a hard one to read when you're stressed out and feeling like you'll never get out from under it. But it's true. It's a promise. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You are destined for more than survival. You are destined for more than sitting in a room trying to find reasons not to end it. You are destined for more than to be sitting here wondering why in the world am I even here? What's the point of me? You are destined to soar, to have the kind of impact on other people where they say, thank God that person was in my life. Thank God you came. All these stories you hear from people where they're like, man, I, TC, when he talks about the mess he was in and how one guy came and, and, and walked into his life and, and introduced him to other guys that started loving on him in uncomfortable ways, right, in, in challenging ways, and his whole life was transformed. You get to be that someone for the next TC, for the next person that God calls up and, and says, you get to be that in their life. He has amazing things for you, and, and you can be free to not be sheltered in place, but to move boldly in this world if we focus on his kingdom. If we focus on his kingdom, the third thing that will happen is that instead of being isolated from support, you will be surrounded by community. There are other people out there doing this thing, chasing after God's kingdom, and you will be surrounded by people that are on mission. That's what this is. That's, you're literally surrounded by them right now. In 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know, and I want you to know this, and I want you to hear it, the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You are not alone. You are not the only person who's dealing with this. All over the world, people are dealing with whatever it is that you're handling right now. And I bet it's heavy. But you are not alone and you don't have to be ashamed of it. Others may not have had your exact experience, but the, the results are universal. Everyone feels stressors from different things, but stress looks the same. It isolates, it paralyzes, it puts us in bad places, right? And it stops us from doing the things that God is calling us to do. There are people around you that God has put in place to guide you through it and to carry you through, and we need those people. It says in Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Who are you allowing into your life to speak that into your, to speak hope, to challenge you and say, I haven't seen you in two weeks. What's up? Like, let's go. Let me, let me come to your house. You leave the door unlocked. I'll come in. You know, I'll bring a milkshake. We'll cry for a bit. You know, we'll drink the milkshake. So we'll go out and we'll see the sun for a little bit. Let's try that. Right? Who do you have in your life to say, you've been doing this all by yourself. You haven't brought anybody. Right? You're just doing this by yourself. And I haven't seen you really reach out to anyone in a long time. 
I need that. I need someone to challenge me and say, who are you impacting? Because if I can't see hope for others, I'm going to have a hard time seeing hope for myself. All the stuff God does is for our benefit. When he tells us to do hard things like hope for other people, like have an impact on others, we benefit from that too. And when we don't do that, we rob ourselves of those blessings. We need to be finding people to hope for, to dream for, to pray for. And when we're doing that, it allows us and it frees us to be dreaming for ourselves as well and to see cool things that God is doing. And finally, when we are focused on the kingdom instead of focused on our fears, instead of making irrational decisions, we will know the will of God. You can know the will of God in your life. Now, you may not know at every moment exactly what God wants you to do. You know, should I go to Wendy's or Taco Bueno? God may not answer that specific question, right? It's not in scripture. You won't find it. But in the grand scheme of things, you will know exactly what God wants of your life. In Romans 2, 1 through 2, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If you allow God to choose what you do with your body, choose what you do with your mind, then you will learn to discern the will of God. Spending time with someone leads to anticipation, right? When you spend a lot of time with someone, you know what they're going to say. You know what they're thinking, right? You ever have that? There are people that are very dangerous to sit next to in Bible class because somebody's going to mess up and slip up and say something and it's going to trigger an inside joke and you're going to look at them and not say a word and just lose it, right? Like there are people that you just, you can look at and you know what they're thinking and you're like, I cannot look at you right now. Wes Widell, when we were in Bible college together, there was a man teaching about the crucifixion of Christ, which I am eternally thankful for and has transformed my life. But in that moment, he said something. And I looked at Wes and I lost it. And it was so inappropriate. It was so bad. I felt so embarrassed. But there are people you just know, you know what they're thinking. You're like, oh no, like I know. It can be that way with God, where when you walk with him, when you start accomplishing his purposes, when you start chasing after people, you start seeing stuff for them that you never would have thought of before. Right? You hear about a, a painful experience they went through, and instantly in your head, you're like, oh my gosh, i got to get them with this person. Right? If they could just meet this person, their whole life would be transformed. It would rock their world. Right? And, you, and the reason that you're thinking that is because God has spent six months getting to the point where you would meet that person so that they can meet that other person. God's been working on it the whole time. You're just cluing into the picture. You're getting the chance to see the world through God's eyes. Because if you are focused on moving people closer to God, then you are focused on exactly what God is focused on. You just start moving in sync. You start passing the ball to each other without even looking at it. You just know exactly where they're going, where God is going with it. And you can see the opportunities before they even come up. You start driving along all of a sudden, you're like, man, I haven't talked to that guy in ages. I got to send him a text. Why are you thinking about that? You're thinking about that because your, God, your mind is focused on what God wants, and that's what he wants for you. He's got a purpose for you that day and every day. It's really cool to start anticipating the, the will of God. I'm, I'm, I work on the phones for a living. Um, my job is to set appointments for people and, and uh, get them to come in and, and sell us their cars. And I, I train people for that. And as I train people, they start off really, really quiet. 
I had, I had one friend that, that started up there and she had made like 70 calls. I had no idea she was in the room. I'm like, that's not good. Like we got to get to where I know that things are happening when you're working, right? But as she got more confident and more confident, her voice started to rise and I could hear her and I heard some of the things she was doing because when you get good at something, you become more confident and you're, you find your voice. And that's one of the funnest things is helping people find their voice and find their confidence. And with God, it's the same way. It's super scary. I've told this story before. The first time I tried to study the Bible with someone, I, I just met him. It was at a Boston market and they served me my, my cream spinach and, and rotisserie chicken. And I'm like, we should study the Bible. And she said, yes. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I wouldn't expect you to say yes. So <laughs> we met at her work, which I'm sure is exactly where she wanted to be. I'm like, let's just meet here. She's like, okay. And so we met there and I, I get my Bible and I start to bring it out. And she's like, oh, you're not bringing that out, are you? I said, no. <laughs> and I put it back down and I bombed it. I just totally failed. I had no idea what I was doing, but we still had a really good conversation. I got to talk to her about God. And would it have been better if I kept my Bible out? Yeah, probably that would have been a good play. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have my voice yet, right? But I had to go through some of that. And God still did good things through it. And he still made an impact through it. But I, I kept trying and I kept messing up and I kept stumbling along. And every time I found out that the person that I stumbled through that I thought would never want to speak to me again really appreciated my efforts and tried, appreciated me trying and caring enough to try. And eventually I got to the point where now it's not a big deal. You know, now I can just go up and talk to somebody and, and I'm a little afraid socially, but I'm not afraid of what I'm going to say. I'm not afraid. I've got enough history in my life to say God did this, this, and this. And it'd be really cool if he did something like that for you too. I found my voice and I love helping others find their voice and God loves helping you find your voice. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It is the power to look into the darkness and say, I have no idea what's happening next and still be able to take that next step. That is power. And God will give that to you if you will focus on his kingdom. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. He will guide you in the places he wants you to go. And it is an awesome place to be. In a life where we are often uncertain of, of our value and of our, our purpose and what God wants for us, he can guide us into places where we're like, man, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And when you have those moments, you're like, wow, God worked really hard to put me right here, right now with this person. It is awesome. It is super exciting. And it's so much better, again, than sitting in your room alone on season three of whatever, wishing that you could be a part of the outside world. God has better in mind for you than that. And I don't say that to shame you because I'm on season four, right? Like I've done it, I've been there, I get it. God did not cure me of anxiety. I am still anxious often. Jesus was anxious often. But it's not just about you. And this is what we've got to get in mind. If you are sidelined, it doesn't just hurt you. It impacts everyone you would have reached. There is more at stake than just you. And I say that to motivate you. I say that because that is what got me out of bed. That is what got me out of the seat, is knowing that there was more to it, that God's children are out there running into traffic, having no idea what they're dealing with. And I can run and grab them and bring them into safety and teach them something different. I have not been cured of anxiety, but it doesn't control my life anymore. You don't have to be pulled apart all the time. 
You don't have to be torn in two different directions where you're like, I know this is what God asked for me, but it's really scary, right? And I just torn all the time. You don't have to be that way. Look at what it says in Jeremiah 17, 7. I'm going to wrap up with this. I want you to hear this verse because this is what we need to hear when we feel dry, when we feel alone. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the person who trusts the Lord. The Lord will be his confidence. He will be like a tree that is planted by water. It will send its roots down to a stream. It will not be afraid in the heat of summer. Its leaves will turn green. It will not be anxious during droughts. It will continue to produce fruit. That's what God has for you. You can put down roots that are so deep that when the anxiety comes, and it will, when the stressors come, and they will, that you don't have to be afraid of them anymore. It won't control you anymore. You will be like a tree that's planted and drinking from streams that nobody's got anything to do with, that no one can stop. But we've got to chase after him to do it. When we do that, when we start chasing his mission, instead of being divided, you will be single-minded. You'll be filled with purpose and with passion and with joy. It's a life that's so much better, and that's exactly what God wants for us. So I'd encourage you guys, when you're, when you're in that moment and you're trying to decide, what do I do with myself? Right? How do I handle this scary thing that's in front of me? Allow God to guide you to that first step. Listen to the person who's calling you up, who's texting you. Stop leaving them on red. Pick up the phone. Right? Answer it and, and take the first step. And he will bless you and give you guidance and a purpose in life that you won't believe. I'm going to pray with us real quick. Father, it is super scary being in this world. And it, it's really easy to feel alone and to feel like it's too much. And Father, thank you. I thank you so much for seeing that and scooping us up and saying, child, I've got a mission for you and a place you can go. And Father, I pray that you would give us the strength to take that first step into the places where we don't know how it's going to go, into the places where we're concerned about what people think of us or our ability to handle it or what the future holds for us. Father, I pray that you would help us to walk boldly into that, boldly into the work that you have for us, and allow us to be free and passionate and purposeful in our life. Thank you for your son who binds us together and gives us the freedom to do all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.